All right, all right. Well, what's up? You guys all right tonight? Everybody good? Yeah, we're sort of not okay, sort of okay. Cool. Uh, So last week, in case you guys weren't here, this is either your first time tonight or you were here and you forgot. Um, Last week, we not only was it our first Reckless up here, but we also began a series called On the Move. And, um, and as we talked about last week, this is a series about movement, all right? This is a series about us being a part of something significant, all right? Something that is huge, something that is incredible. And this is a movement that involves all of us. But what makes it so significant, what makes it so incredible is that this is a movement that involves God. And I believe, and we talked last week, that God is on the move, that God is working, God is moving. And I, I, again, like we talked about last week, I love that picture. I love the picture of God being on the move because I think it so accurately reflects his character that he doesn't sit back and just nonchalantly not care about us. But he is active, he is moving, he is on the move, he is working and for the sole purpose of bringing about hope and transformation. That God and his kingdom is forcefully advancing through this world and into our community to bring about hope and life change. And so we talked last week, Zechariah 3.17, that said this, or excuse me, 2.13, I just made up a verse. Zechariah 2.13 said, be silent before the Lord, all humanity, for God is springing into action from his holy dwelling. Now, as we mentioned last week, just to catch everybody up, the other part of this that makes this so significant, not only the fact that God is on the move, but the cool thing is, is that God invites you and me to be a part of it. I mean, as God is moving, as God is working in the world, God allows us to jump in. God allows us to experience the presence of God and the move of God in our own hearts. And for us to be able to jump in and be a part of what God's doing in the people all around us. And so, such an incredible opportunity. But what makes it so important, and in order for us to be a part of that movement, is that we've got to be willing to pursue God like we never have before. We've got to be willing to to put God at the forefront of who we are and say, God, with everything that I've got, I'm pursuing you. God, I'm going to chase after you. I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to make you everything. And what God's desire for all of us in this room is not just to make us a little bit of a better person, not just kind of to, you know, rough, you know, kind of to smooth off the rough edges or just to get us to show up from time to time, but God's desire for you and me is to transform our lives. God wants to, I mean, think about this thought. God wants to make us like him. That's the goal. And in order for us to experience that, we've gotta be willing to pursue God and chase after God. We mentioned last week that that Jesus modeled that for us, and even though he was God, as Jesus was carrying out the mission on this earth, he was pursuing God. He made his connection with God of utmost importance. And he made sure that he spent time seeking God and connecting with God the Father. And you and I have got to be willing to do the same. And I will promise you, all of us in this room, if we will make that commitment, if we will pursue God like never, never before, we will see the presence and the movement of God 
We'll see it in our own heart, in our, in our own lives, and in the lives of those around us. Now tonight what we're going to talk about is kind of this next piece. As we're on the move, uh, this thing that is really vital and really key in order for us to really experience this. And it involves something that all of us crave for. All right, all of us desire, all of us seek after. Uh, this week I was bored, and um, and so I was looking online at um, I came across, I don't know how it came up, but I came across um, pregnancy cravings. All right, how random is that? So I'm in my office working really hard, like I always do every day, and um, and so I'm I'm hanging out at the computer, and I come across the the top ten craziest common pregnancy cravings, which sounds a little bit weird. So they took the most, how many of you guys have ever seen a pregnant woman or heard of somebody that has like ridiculous cravings for stuff? Okay. Um, so, so there was a, a website that compiled, they did a survey and they compiled the top 10 craziest, most common pregnancy cravings, which sounds a little weird, but in other words, those crazy cravings, what the, the, the top 10 of those were. All right, make sense? So you're gonna think I'm making this list up, but I promise you I'm not making this up. So here are the top 10 craziest pregnancy cravings. Number one is ice. All right, doesn't sound all that big of a deal. Some of you guys chew ice anyway and you're not pregnant. So it's not a big deal. Um, you don't think ice is a big deal. Number two, and I promise I'm not making this up, coal. Like, the black rock, like a coal miner goes into a coal mine and pulls out coal. Coal. Pregnancy people craving coal, all right? Yes, to eat, all right? Number three, toothpaste. I don't know if you've ever, your mom was pregnant and you walked in the bathroom and she's down in a tub of toothpaste, but that's just messed up. Number four was sponges. Like, what is wrong with these pregnant women? Number five, here's number five, mud. Number six, (laughs) number six was chalk. Like, (laughs) hide the chalk from the pregnant ladies because they're going to chew on it and make themselves sick. Uh, Number seven, laundry soap. Number eight, all right, check this out. Number eight was, <laughs> was matches. It's like busting out a box of matches and just going to town on them. Number nine was starch, which you got to get sick after that. And then number 10 was rubber. All right, so if you ever walk outside and there's a pregnant woman eating a car tire or something, then you'll just know she's craving something crazy. Now, to show you how crazy this list is, Here were the three that didn't even make the list. All right, this is how insane this is. Uh, The three that didn't make the list were bricks, newspapers, and raw sausages. All right, so there you go. Doesn't mean necessarily that they ate them, but that they craved them, all right? So hopefully they didn't carry that out and try to eat some of that ridiculous stuff. Now, for my wife Angie and I, we had three kids, and, um, and I'll just say, I never saw any of the, the crazy pregnancy cravings. She, you know, she would walk in and down a jar of pickle juice, which is just nasty. Anyway, but that was about the extent of what I saw. Um, 
So I'm fortunate, but there, that gives you an idea of just some, some crazy, crazy pregnancy cravings that are out there. Now, here's the thing. Here's why I say that. All of us crave things, all right? Maybe we're all a bunch of pregnant women and we crave crazy stuff. Um, maybe you don't crave bricks or a, bo- a box of matches or sponges, but we crave things. Uh, this week on, on Twitter, we posed this question out to you guys, and we said, what is the one thing that you crave more than anything else? All right, now you don't have to answer, but it's in, you've got it in your notes tonight, and if you want to fill that in, you can, but I, I want all of us to be thinking about what that is. What is that one thing that we crave more than anything else? What is that thing that we desire more than anything else? And narrow it down specifically if, to, to you guys as teenagers, high school students right now in this room. What do teenagers crave the most? See, now there's a lot of people that think it would be things like popularity or uh, good looks or success or things like that, all right? And there are a lot of people that would say, hey, when it comes to teenagers, those are the kind of things that teenagers crave the most. But it's more significant than that. In fact, there are study after study that has been done with you guys as the target audience to try to figure out what do teenagers crave more than anything else. And the majority, if not all of the studies, have come to the same conclusion, and that is this, that more than anything else, teenagers crave a sense of belonging. Teenagers desire to feel accepted and loved. Now, here's the thing when it, when it comes to this. There might be, you know, we might crave things like popularity or success or things like that, but that is, that is indicative of our desire and our craving to belong. All right, so when we seek after those things, it's not those things that we really crave the most, it feeds the need for us to, to feel like we belong, that we're accepted. And, it's, and we don't even have to restrict it just to you guys as teenagers. All of us feel the need to be accepted and to, and to belong. All of us want to know that we have value, that we have significance. And we will do crazy things, a lot of different things, in order to find that sense of belonging. We might put on ridiculous clothes that we don't even like, but we do it because those clothes are in at the moment. And then we look back, you know, 10 years and we're like, what in the heck was I thinking? But we'll do that. We'll say things, we'll do things, we'll, we'll even go places that we don't even really want to go to because we feel like if we do those things, we'll receive acceptance. Maybe we'll spend hours in front of the mirror every day before school, making sure that our hair is perfect, making sure for you ladies that, hopefully just ladies, that our makeup is on right and doesn't make us look like the Joker or something. Um, or, you know, we're, we're checking out, you know, 15 different outfits to make sure, I don't know what that was, to make sure that, that we look good, right, that we look attractive, that people, when we go to school or wherever we go that day, that people are going to be impressed with the way that we look. There's all kinds of things that we do in order to receive acceptance. 
There are even people that will join gangs because they feel like I've got to find something or someone or people that will accept me. And because those are the types of people that will accept them and make them feel like they belong, then they'll, they'll join those things. We might go from relationship to relationship doing anything and everything that we possibly can with those people because we are longing to feel loved and to feel valued. Some of us might even go to um, the point that we'll start cutting ourselves because in part we feel like if we do that, then I'll receive acceptance from other people. See, the point is all of us crave acceptance. All of us desire to feel like we belong and we will do different things in order to allow that to happen. Now here's the question I wanna pose to you. Not do you crave a sense of belonging, but how much do you crave a sense of belonging? Because all of us do. I stand on this stage and I don't wanna look like a fool in front of you. I I desire to, to belong, to be accepted. All of us are on the same page. We all, no matter how old we are or how many friends we've got or whatever, we all have the need to feel valued. And the question is, to what extent will we go in order to feed that need? Here's the thing that we've got to understand. Our our craving for acceptance doesn't come as a shock to God. And God doesn't look at us. He's not been out of shape. He's not upset with us because he didn't look at that and think that's bad that you desire to belong and to feel valued. Right? Because God has created us that way. God has created us with that need to feel valued and feel like we belong. But what makes it dangerous is the, the places that we go or the things that we look to in order to find that value and that sense of belonging. And sometimes when we go down roads we shouldn't go down or we seek after the wrong things in order to feel accepted, that's where we get ourselves into trouble. And the important thing for us to understand tonight is because God has created us, God is the only one that can fill that need and satisfy that desire to feel like we belong and that we're accepted and we have value. Because God has created us, God is the one that puts significance on us. God is the one that places value on us. And it's only when we seek a relationship with him will we find that satisfaction that we so desperately desire. Now, here's the thing. That's, this is where you and I come in. This is what makes what we're talking about, about on the move, and this movement that we're talking about such a big deal. If you and I in this room claim that we love Jesus, then we have the opportunity to represent God. And where God is the only one that can satisfy us, God is the only one that can give us significance and fill that desire to belong. Because you and I, as followers of Jesus, represent God, we get a chance to help other people understand their significance and value to God. See, I think one of the most incredible things that the church, that us, as reckless, or as the church as a whole, has an opportunity to do is to help other people all around us 
understand their significance and their value to God. One of the greatest things that we can do is help other people experience authentic community. To help other people all around us, our friends, other people that we, we come in contact with, other people in this room, we get an opportunity to help other people feel like they belong, to build and establish authentic community. Now, Jesus, when he was on earth, understood the importance and the value of community. Before Jesus even started out on the mission and doing all of these crazy miracles and doing the things that he had come to earth to accomplish, Jesus surrounded himself with other men. Jesus surrounded himself with other guys to live life with. See, Jesus understood the value and the significance of authentic community. And the importance of, when, as he's carrying out the mission, to do that together. And it's important for us to understand because Jesus has modeled it. Just like he modeled the close connection with God, Jesus has also modeled how important it is for us to be on the move together with each other. Now, why is authentic community so important? There's a couple of blanks in your notes, and if you want to go ahead and take, take notes and write this stuff in, I would encourage you to do so. Why is authentic such, uh, community such a big deal? Why is that so important? We already mentioned that that feeds the biggest need that all of us have. We all want to, to know that we have value and that we belong. So if you, if that, that's a great starting point, to know that that feeds the biggest need that all of us have. But here's some other reasons why us as the church, as reckless, have an incredible opportunity before us. The first reason why authentic community is so important is because when we display authentic community, we experience God's presence. You and I experience God's presence. Listen to what Matthew 18, verse 20 says. Jesus is talking to the people and he says, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Now, when you and I give our hearts and our lives to Jesus, God comes and he lives inside of us. All right, so God is always present with us. God is always, he lives in us, so he's always with us. It's not like God leaves and then he comes back and he leaves and he comes back. God is always with us because he lives in us. But Jesus makes it very clear in this verse that there's something powerful about gathering together. And Jesus makes the promise that when we gather together, when we have authentic community, when we join forces, God shows up. God's presence is there. What makes it so incredible to to be living in authentic community is the fact that God's presence is with us. That not only is he in us, but he shows up in incredible ways when we gather together. That's the first reason why it's so significant and important. The second reason is when we display authentic community, we reveal God's heart to the world. You and I have the opportunity to reveal the heart of God to the world. Now in John chapter 17, this is one of my favorite passages, Jesus is in the garden and the next day he's going to the cross. All right, he's in the garden, he's praying, you know, he's, he's, um, He's praying for all kinds of different things. But in verse 20, he says something so important 
especially as we're talking about community. Here's what he says. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them, meaning the world, as much as you love me. Now think about the significance of what Jesus is saying here. When we live in authentic community, we get a chance to represent and to to model God's heart to the world. Jesus is praying for our unity, for us to be in community with each other, for us to fight for each other and have each other's backs, for us to be as unified together as God the Father and God the Son are. That's what Jesus prays for. And he says that will, when that happens, the world will know that you love them. The world will know God's heart. How important is that for us to be able to model that? Because when we do, it shows other people in the world the attributes and the characteristics of God. Incredible power that we have when we live in authentic community. And here's the third thing. When we display authentic community, we witness God's redemptive power. So not only do we experience God's presence, not only do we reveal God's heart to the world, but we witness God's redemptive power. In, uh, in Acts chapter two, there's a, a great picture of the early church and what made it so incredible and so powerful and vibrant and why it blew up the way that it did. Listen to what uh, it says in Acts chapter two, starting in verse 42. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything that they had. They sold their property and their possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and with generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And then listen to what it says. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So in Acts chapter two, God is on the move. God is working. God is moving in an unbelievable way. And God uses the church and the fact that they were living in authentic community together, fighting for each other, sharing with each other, having each other's backs, celebrating and gathering together to worship. And as a result of that, the number was added daily to those who were experiencing the power and the redemption of God. So when you and I gather together and we build authentic community, we begin to experience God's life, the life change that God wants to bring about. And every single week when we gather in here, there ought to be stories of 
of you guys that are coming in who are maybe far from God or who hadn't figured this thing out. And there's story after story every week of, of God's redemptive power, of God grabbing a hold of people's hearts and never letting go. Of God opening their eyes to see that Jesus paved the way for us like we sang about earlier. And to trust in the salvation that God offers them through the cross. And when we gather together, and the key is when we have authentic community together, that's what we experience. Over the last few weeks, um, I've had a chance to talk to several students who, um, who've decided to show up at Reckless. And maybe um, it's because one of you invited them, maybe it's because mom and dad drug them and made them show up. Um, but um, in a couple of cases, a couple of conversations I had, these are students who were far from God. These are students that as I talked about their experience and got to know them a little bit and and asking or or hearing from a small group leader, discovered that these are students who don't have a relationship with Jesus. But they decided to come, they decided to check it out, they sat in the chair, they, they sat through worship and through the message and all that kind of stuff. And the thing that I was most curious about when I was trying to to understand about their experience is did they feel loved and accepted? That was the, that's the thing that I'm most curious about. Because he, here's the reason why. I believe that, that faith is gonna come. I believe that God is gonna grab hold of, of students' hearts. But what is key in order for that to happen, and I believe when we live life together and when we build authentic community and we make people feel loved and accepted in this room, that provides an even greater opportunity for their heart to be open to what God wants to show them. And when we fail in that, I believe that their hearts oftentimes can be more closed off to what Jesus wants to do. I believe that if they will just show up and if we love them and make them feel welcomed and, and, and like they belong and that they have value, then God will grab a hold of their heart. God will... Will work, the belief will come, the faith part will come because God will do his thing. But the important part is that we do what God's called us to do and to build authentic community. See, what made that so powerful in Acts chapter two is the fact that as people watched the disciples and the early church live life together, they saw something that they had never seen before. And it attracted them, it drew them to it and they said, There's got to be something different. There's got to be something about this reason why you guys gather together. And I believe the opportunity is there for us to be able to allow teenagers to come into this room, high school students who might be far from God, and because we love them, they have an opportunity to experience something that they've never seen before. as they witness authentic community, as they witness those of us having each other's backs and fighting for each other and supporting each other and being unified together, then God grabs a hold of their heart and life change happens. God's redemptive power shows up. Now maybe you guys may be asking, what does this practically look like? What does this mean for us to build authentic community? And one of the the things that that makes this so significant and the the opportunity for us is is small groups. That's what makes this part in terms of community such a big deal. 
And I want to give you guys an idea of what it can look like when we do this right. I want you guys to take just a minute and check out this video um, of, a, of a small group that we, we talked to several people from. I want you guys just to check this out and, um, and listen. Now, here's, here's one of the things that I love about that small group. When you, when you look at that group of girls, on the surface, it appears that they have nothing in common. I mean, there's such a mix of girls. There, you've got the, you know, the, the athletic girls. You've got the popular girls. You've got the, um, you know, the introverts, the ex- extroverts. You've got all of these different groups of girls that run in different social circles that often, in a lot of cases, go to different schools. And on the surface, you look at it and you're like, this could never work. Like, this would be a total train wreck. And yet, it works. And here's why it works. Because even though a lot of those girls may not have a lot of other things in common, they're united by the fact that God loves them. They are united by their relationship with Jesus, and that impacts their view and their acceptance of other people. And I I love it because it's such a great picture of the body of Christ, that there's all different kinds of people that have different interests and different skills and different gifts and and go to different schools, and it's just a mixture, a mixture of people who are united by the fact that what that what matters the most is their relationship with Jesus. And when they're united by that fact, nothing else really matters. They're able to look at each other in the group and go, you know what, we're united by the fact that that Jesus loves us and Jesus gives us value. And because of our relationship with Christ, that changes everything. So we may not have much in common, but in reality we have everything in common, everything that really matters the most. It's such a great picture of the body of Christ. And there are, there are other groups that are just like that. But here's, here's what it's gonna take. In order for us to really experience this movement of God, it's gotta be something that all of us value and make important. It can't just be one or two small groups. It can't just be a handful of us. All of us have to be on board with that and to be willing to build authentic community in order for us to experience a movement of God that God desires to do. That's what it's gonna take. Here's, here's the thing. There are students every single week who walk through the doors of this room. Every week. There are students who walk in here and with every student that walks in, you and I have an opportunity. Do we accept them and make them feel valued or do we reject them? Do we look at them based on what school they go to or what social circle they run in or how popular they are or what they look like or what gender they are or whatever? Do we add all of those kind of things into the mix and cast judgment? Or do we look at every student that walks into this room or into the doors of our small group and say, You have value to me because you have value to God. You guys know the the number one reason why a student doesn't come back. 
A student might show up one time and then never show up again. You guys know the, the number one reason why that is? It's not because of the band doing a, a bad job or whatever. It's not because I gave a crappy message one night, although that could happen from time to time. It's not any of that kind of stuff. The number one reason why a student does not come back is because they don't connect. A student refuses to show up again because they don't receive from us the thing that we should be most willing to to express, and that's community. To make every student feel like they have value and they have significance because they're significant and valuable to God. See, I'm so passionate about this, guys. I believe this wholeheartedly with everything inside of me that the one thing that's gonna change the face of our high school ministry is not how incredible our band is, it's not the dynamic teaching, it's not doing big events like Rush. All right, those things are important, they have value, but that's not what's gonna change the face of our high school ministry. What's gonna change everything for us as a ministry is authentic community. That we are fighting for each other in this room. That we've got each other's backs. That there might be in, our, in the halls of our school and in other places we go, there might be all of these walls that we build up and lines that we use to divide each other. But in this room and in the, our small groups, those things are non-existent. And a student can walk through those doors and whether they have a relationship with God or not, or no matter what, what any other thing that we might try to label them as or judge them by, that when they walk through those doors, they're loved and they, and they receive a sense of belonging that God has created them and is the only one that can, that, can, that, that can show that to them. You guys, when we do that, that will change everything. That will change the face of our high school ministry, but it's gonna take all of us going, I'm gonna fight for that. That's why we say that the the first impression team that we've got is such a big deal. And for you students and adults that serve on that, why that's such an important thing because from the moment a student gets out of their car or walks onto the, the, um, the campus, you guys get a chance to make them feel like they belong and help them connect. That's why we say small groups are the most important thing we do. Not that those other things don't have value, not that what we do in this room doesn't have value because it does and it's significant and it's all a part of the puzzle. But the goal is for every student to get into a small group so that they're they're surrounded by, by leaders that love them and that care about them and that help them understand their need for God. To have you guys experience what it looks like to have relationships with other peers that look at you and say, we may not have a whole lot in common, but I love you because God loves you. And at the end of the day, I got your back no matter what. I'm not gonna let anything come between us. For us to to grow in our faith together, that's why small groups are such a big deal. And I believe that our ability to reach and to connect and to disciple high school students is largely dependent on how healthy our small groups are. And our goal and desire is to get every single one of you connected into a small group so that you can understand 
and receive that sense of belonging that all of us desire. As we close tonight, maybe you guys are in the room and maybe your life has been a a quest, so to speak, to receive this sense of belonging. I mean, you've You've gone to different extremes. You've you've done all these different things. I mean, you have searched and searched and searched, and you are desperate to know that you have value and significance. And what I want to encourage you with more than anything else is you will only find that in a relationship with Jesus. That you can search all you want to, but Jesus is the only thing that can offer you the, the significance that you crave. And when you receive the forgiveness and the acceptance that Jesus offers you through the cross, that quest can end, that search can end. You no longer have to search down all of these different roads and all these different things to try to find what God is so desperately offering you. For the rest of us, we can't screw this up. We have to get this right. It's gonna take all of us to be committed to it. 80% of the room can fight for that and the 20% can shipwreck it. All of us have gotta be on the same page, fighting for each other, building authentic community, and when we do that, we will experience this movement of God that, that he desires to do. The main point for us tonight, a movement of God becomes an unstoppable force when we are on the move together. When we are on the move together, we are unstoppable. God's presence shows up, we experience that. We are able to model God's heart for the world. We're able to help them understand and experience God's redemptive power. We are unstoppable, but we've gotta do it together. We've gotta fight for each other We've got to be willing to, to, to serve each other, to support each other, to love each other, to build authentic community. And when we do that, watch out. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the students that were willing to raise their hand. God, I thank you that we have value because you have created us and you love us and you give us value. God, I pray for students or even adults in the room tonight who have gone down a lot of roads and made a lot of mistakes because of that thing that we have craved. God, I pray that we would stop the search and God, we would look to you for the acceptance that you've already given us because you created us. God, I pray that we would begin to look at ourselves the way that you look at us. God, I pray for us in the room as people who claim to love you, Jesus, I pray that we would model authentic community. God, I pray that we would fight for each other. God, I pray that we would have each other's backs. God, I pray in our small groups and in this room, God, that we would not allow other things to divide us. But God, we would be unified as you and the Father are unified. Jesus, I pray that we would be on the move together. I pray that we would lock arms and be ready to do this thing side by side with other people. 
because that's how you've created us to do it. God, I believe that when we do this, if we're faithful to this, if we commit to this, we will see you move like never before. God, maybe there's some of us in the room tonight that have to go across the room after we're done and we have to apologize to people that we have judged, to people that we have hurt, to people that we have rejected or made them feel unloved. God, I pray that we would be willing to do whatever we need to do to fix it so that going forward, God, we would love people the way that you love people and we would be on the move together. So we love you, we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, a couple things before you guys head out. Um, hey, real quick, if, um, if you were one of the ones that, that, um, that slipped your hand up and, um, and you prayed to, uh, 